Hi, and welcome to the Talking Dirty Business Podcast. I'm Margot Prebenda. And I'm Sabina Husseini. We started this podcast with the desire to spill the tea on corporations and all the environmental, social, and governance issues they have. Our episodes are here to help people make more informed decisions, increase public awareness, and just vent on societal issues that blow our minds. Please note that any opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of any company or organization. And all of our research is based on publicly available information. We're here to direct your attention to certain issues that you may not have thought about before. In our last episode, we discussed some of the details of FIFA's corruption scandal and particularly the issues that the organization has been facing leading up to this year's World Cup in Russia. Sabina is calling in again since we're recording from different countries. The issues we focused on last time involved the unraveling of a massive corruption scandal within FIFA in 2015, as well as controversies related to this year's World Cup in Russia, including bid rigging, bribery, human rights abuses, and even animal rights abuses. Sadly, the scandal doesn't stop there. Today we're going to talk about Qatar. In 2022, the World Cup is scheduled to be hosted in Qatar. If you haven't heard much about this yet, you may be wondering, what's the big issue with Qatar? Well, there are a few big issues actually. First of all, Qatar was selected through a corrupt bidding process. As we discussed last week, this has been happening, this has been ongoing, an ongoing issue with FIFA, and the current World Cup in Russia was also accused of being voted through corruption. In the case of Qatar, illegal payments to FIFA officials are still being investigated, suggesting that officials were paid off to vote for Qatar as the next World Cup location. In fact, since 2015, the U.S. Department of Justice has charged 42 officials with 92 offenses related to corruption and bribery. And notably, half of the officials that are being charged voted for Qatar in the 2022 World Cup bid. Witnesses in the court hearings have also confirmed these illegal payments. So, um, it, go ahead. That's, that's really interesting that you mentioned that, Margot, that there's been charges of 42 officials, but... Um, the location of FIFA hasn't changed. Is that because they're already underway or? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good question. And I wondered that myself. Why? I mean, if if they've already proven that there's such strong evidence that this is corrupt, why would we go forward with it? But it's exactly what you said. It's because they've already invested massive amounts of money to build the infrastructure in Qatar because the moment it was voted, they literally that moment they start building and I mean, it's been going on since before 2010, but definitely since 2010. um, And it's not just stadiums, but that's a huge part. But it's the entire infrastructure. Literally, Qatar is building a whole infrastructure around expecting huge amounts of people to be coming for the World Cup in 2022. And because it takes so long to build, uh, this process starts, you know, over a decade in advance. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So the second issue with this, with it being in Qatar, is primarily based on the fact that Qatar has been investigated for labor abuses and, been, and has been accused of modern-day slavery. 
particularly surrounding the World Cup construction projects. According to a report published in 2015, nearly 1,200 workers had died on construction sites for the Qatar FIFA World Cup since 2010. And in 2012 wow. alone, yeah, one th get, just wait, there's, these figures get worse. <laughs> in 2012 alone, 520 migrant workers died in Qatar, and 375 deaths among them remained unexplained. And the International Trade Union Confederation has estimated that 4,000 workers will die before the tournament opens in 2022. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's disgusting. So it's been, I mean, I was really distraught about the fact that I found out that 21 workers died in preparation for the Russian World Cup. But th these numbers are just devastating. I mean, let me just put it into perspective. This is about as many worker deaths as the number of American soldiers that died in the war in Iraq. So this, this is almost like a, a self-created humanitarian crisis, similar to the casualties in a war. And we, are, we voted for this. Just, I mean, wrap your head around this. We voted for this. Well, we didn't vote for the deaths, but we voted for a place that's known for labor rights abuses and modern day slavery. And then we, you know, we have to expect that this is what's going to happen when they have to create an entire infrastructure based on construction labor. So this is so outrageous. Just the, just the fact that, first of all, it was illegally um, chosen. And then secondly, 4,000 workers. That a lot of people maybe, I mean, how many people do you know in your daily life that you talk to? Maybe 80, 90, 200 if you're a really social person. But 4,000, just putting that into perspective of people dying for what? For something that is just going to be a commercial thing that lasts one month and a half. Right, exactly. It's insane. And also, I mean, these figures, these are, well, this is an estimate for how many might die, but bear in mind that the reports of worker deaths have been reported by Qatar. So some groups have estimated that the figures might actually be significantly higher. And a lot of these deaths are not explained. And I mean, I looked into what's actually killing these people. Um, most of it is being blamed on life-threatening heat and humidity because keep in mind that Qatar is a desert. Um, a lot of them are also reported to be heart attacks and respiratory failure. And interestingly, Qatar has said that they are being classified as non-work related uh, because if there's not a direct correlation to what they've done on the job, well, I mean, there probably is, but they're not looking into it and they're not giving enough information. So Human Rights Watch has said that the descriptions of deaths are really obscure and not 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 going into detail about how they have died. So, I mean, wow. these figures could be higher. They they could be way worse than we even imagine. And no one's allowed to. No one's really going in and investigating. I think I actually um, it's hard for other groups to go in. And reporters have been arrested for looking into this. Uh, a, a group of of reporters from the BBC was arrested in 2017 trying to report on it. So, wow. yeah, so these figures are already shocking, and that's only what's being reported by Qatar, which is unbelievable. Um, uh, and 
I also just wanted to say these not all these reporters it's kind of tricky to know I mean not all these reporters are working on construction for a stadium for example that's directly correlated to the World Cup it's these are figures on working migrant workers in general but a huge amount of them are have been brought in to work on the infrastructure so this includes you know roads and um, all kinds of uh, facilities that need to be created that you wouldn't even consider but are all part of the construction uh, for the event and and reportedly there are more than two million migrant workers working in Qatar on construction sites uh, which has increased since Qatar was selected to host the World Cup and there's another really big irony about it because the vast majority of Qatar's population is actually being excluded from the entertainment side of the World Cup project. So get this, more than 1.8 million residents, which is about 80% of the population in Qatar, are migrant workers. And it's mostly laborers from South Asia and Africa that are earning salaries of around $13 a day while living in labor camps on the edges of the city. So this isn't like a minor part of the of the country. This is actually the majority of the population that is being exploited for this one event. And they're probably never, I mean, if they survive to make it to the event, they're probably not even going to be watching it because these people are, you know, underpaid and basically like slaves. Um, yeah, and, and actually, so... They are, they're often subjected to extreme weather conditions, uh, especially considering Qatar is essentially a desert. And because migrant laborers can obtain work permits only through employer sponsorship, they are dependent on their employers. And this is what leads to modern day slavery conditions, um, where they're often subjected to abuse and oppression. And the worst is that they can only quit their jobs or leave the country with the employer's permission. So they actually have to get an exit visa. Yeah. They have to get an exit visa from their employer in order to leave. So it's really... If the employer says no, it's really like slavery. Oh, it's absolutely they slavery. Really do own them. This is why, yeah, this is why it is slavery because they, the employers, why would they say yes if they don't have to? There's no incentive. Uh, they're just keeping these people here and they can do whatever they want because if it becomes too much or dangerous think about it this is why these people are dying they they can't leave they can't they, they don't have access probably to health care you know every their entire life is dependent on their employer's permission amnesty international has also reported that workers face risk of job loss or deportation if they're caught speaking to journalists or rights groups about their working conditions so it's something that is being kept quiet and the figures it's really hard to know exactly how many people are are suffering and what the exact conditions are but it's already what is reported is already so bad in fact eight contracting companies for the construction of the world cup projects reported working hours of up to 72 hours per week and 402 hours per month which is exceeding the maximum 60 hours allowed under qatari law but it's also, I mean, huge. 72 hours per week is more than 10 hours every day for seven days with no break. Wow. And workers have also been forced to work excessive numbers of days without any rest. So a consulting... That would, 
that would literally never fly in France or in Switzerland. <laughs> there would be strikes everywhere. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, they've already reduced their, their working hours in France from, you know, below 40. Um, exactly. So can you even imagine this is nearly double the amount of time that per week that, that people in France work? Um, exactly. And a, yeah, a consulting firm that was reviewing labor conditions reported in 2018 that some workers were forced to work up to 14 hours a day and three workers had been made to work 124 and 148 days continuously without any rest. I mean, this is like this is between four and five months of hard labor without a single day of rest. It's no wonder that people are dying. I don't even know how their bodies can sustain that kind of physical exertion for so long without ever being able to recover. It's also making me wonder about the, the long-term health damage of workers who survive because these statistics don't even go into the numbers of injured or sick workers. And this is yeah. construction labor. I mean, this is not like an, a desk job where you stay late at night. I don't even know how they're capable of working 14 hours every day for months at a time. It just, it doesn't even seem humanly possible. Actually, and, I think you make a really, you make a really great point about, about the, the long-term health effects of these workers, because first of all, no one really measures that, whether it's a desk job or a hard labor job. But when you work 148 days a week, uh, uh, 148 days without any any single day of rest, hard labor of 14-hour days, that must actually place put such a toll on your body and I think probably really shortens your life expectancy in general. Right. If you're doing that one year, let alone if that's kind of how you've been living your life and the kind of working conditions that you're you're subject to. Right. And imagine that, you know, you you injure yourself and you're you could be permanently injured for the rest of your life too and that could prevent you from getting other jobs. So with it, absolutely no compensation. Exactly. I guess. Yeah, or the ability yeah. to leave. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And this is why I mean they're literally working them to death in, in certain cases, which yeah. is really scary. Um and so the the third issue that was that's really interesting about Qatar is related to the heat, which is obviously a factor in in the worker condition working conditions, but it's also an, been an issue for uh, for considering the World Cup actually taking place there, because in the summer, on average, temperatures can reach are on average they are forty one degrees Celsius, which is one hundred and six degrees Fahrenheit. And they can actually reach up to 50 degrees Celsius, which is 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So, I mean, I can't even imagine sitting in this type of heat, let alone moving or playing soccer or building stadiums. I mean, it's unbelievable that we have selected to have an event, a sports event, in a place that is nearly unlivable in in terms of the heat um it's it's really shocking and i actually i've i found that fifa has uh, an advisory limit on world cup events that they've put the um recommended maximum temperature at 89.6 degrees fahrenheit and i don't even have that in celsius but think about it 89.6 degrees fahrenheit 
and in Qatar, it's going up to 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is like a huge difference. And I'm, I've been wondering, I mean, who, who decided it was a good idea to host a football tournament in the desert? I mean, what, like, what were the factors? Did they even take it? I mean, I'm sure they realized ego, it. Ego yeah. was the factor. Well, money was the factor. Money, yeah. Because is this even feasible? Reportedly, Qatar has promised to air condition all of its stadiums, which Qatar officials have said that they are spending up to $10 billion on stadiums and training grounds. So let's go back to what I said last time. The advertising revenue from the last World Cup event was estimated to potentially reach $23 billion. And Qatar is spending $10 billion on the stadiums and training grounds. So they're spending nearly half of the total ad revenue that FIFA earns on the infrastructure for this event. It's almost hard to believe that this could possibly be worth the cost. And they have to then air condition all the stadiums? It just sounds insane. These stadiums are huge. To air condition them is a massive endeavor. And they actually, they completed an air-conditioned stadium in 2017 because the world's been a little bit concerned that they wouldn't be able to pull this off. Um, and this, get this, the stadium is an open-air stadium that's air-conditioned. So, oh my God. right? So you might wonder, what is the efficiency of this? I mean, how does it even work? Um, Think about the environmental implications right. of the energy use, the the complete i don't even know how many how many how how that's contributing to climate change and yeah. that's that's probably one of the minor minor things that it's contributing to but the energy use and the efficiency of that right. and plus of course what yeah anyways go on <laughs> no they and they aren't even you know i was trying to look into that and people aren't even really discussing the environmental effects of this there are claims that it's more efficient than other you know, energy sources uh, or uh, cooling sources, uh, which hopefully it is because it's massively inefficient in general, the idea. So they've said that (laughs) they've said that it has approximately the stadium has approximately 500 jet nozzles that blast cold air that would keep temperatures around 23 degrees Celsius, which is 73 degrees Fahrenheit for the fans. And apparently the chilled chilled water is piped into the stadium from a cooling center that's located about a kilometer from the stadium. And then once it arrives, the cold air is pushed into the stadium. But for me, it's it's still unclear how this water is chilled and where, you know, because there's a there's a there's a cooling center that's one kilometer away and it's bringing in all this water. I mean, the piping system must be insane, but how, I don't know how that's environmentally efficient at all. And I mean... I'm hoping that they are, you know, doing doing I, something. But honestly, this is not funny at all. I mean, it's it's the crazy, it's really crazy. It's inefficient. It's wrong on all levels. But what what I keep imagining in my head is 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 an engineer, you know, and and them just thinking, okay, I have to cool a stadium that holds this many thousand people. It's going to be an open-air stadium, and we have to figure it out how to yeah. get it from 50 degrees Celsius to about 23 degrees Celsius. I mean, yeah. the team of engineers must have been like, what is going on here? What have we been What have we been put here to do? This, I know. This is crazy. No, and it, and it, for what? I mean, and putting all of these resources for something as, okay, yes, FIFA um, 
really connects a lot of people. There's a lot of pride connected to it, whatever, all of all of the FIFA stuff. And a real fan would really like <laughs> get angry with me for saying that. But think about how these resources, how this ingenuity, how all of this could be used for a better cause or for something better. Like, why is it that humans want to build these kinds of things, but we we don't put these kinds of resources towards things that are happening very close to, to Qatar that they could be putting these resources to and aren't, you know? Exactly. And remember, what's crazy to me is that this location was actually voted. So we chose to do this in Qatar in a place that required massive amounts of resources to essentially do something completely unnatural, to build an air-conditioned stadium in a desert. It, it just is, it sounds insane. I don't know why this was even a top consideration for the locations, aside from the fact that we know there was a lot of corruption in the decision. Uh, but aside from that, th there's been a lot of debate and criticism around this temperature issue, and the air cooling system of the stadium may not actually even be used because a decision was made to move the World Cup to the winter due to the health risks for athletes as well as for fans. So this makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, it's not just, you know, the fact that these construction workers are dying from the heat, but we're actually going to bring in thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to watch these events, and these temperatures are just unbearable. But there's there's also been skepticism about whether the the cooling systems that Qatar has promised would be completed in time and whether they would be effective, making it really risky to have the tournament in the summer for health reasons. On top of that, the cost of the technology is still estimated to be massive. So, in fact, Qatar is reportedly pouring about $200 billion into infrastructure for the event, including building a new rail network, hotels, and roads. So, just for a little perspective, this amount completely dwarfs the amount that was spent in the UK on the 2012 London, London Olympics, which was about 9.3 billion pounds. Uh, so Qatar is spending $200 billion. I didn't convert that to pounds, but it's very clear that that's significantly larger. So just to recap what we've discussed, FIFA allowed the illegal rigging of its bidding process, resulting in the selection of a 2022 World Cup venue that's ridden with human rights abuses and modern slavery, not to mention located in the desert. And as I said before, this is essentially a self-made humanitarian disaster. We chose to do this, and it's causing massive suffering and inefficiency. And it's all been made possible by the excessive wealth generated by FIFA and the World Cup. As I noted in our previous episode, Forbes estimated in 2014 that FIFA could generate approximately $23 billion in revenue in a single month entirely from advertising and sponsorships. This is where we see the huge importance of companies, as particularly in the issue with Qatar. Of course, it's, it's also a political problem, and the government of Qatar is certainly not doing enough to protect people, but it's going to be companies that have the power to speak out here. We saw in the current World Cup in Russia that FIFA had an incredibly difficult time finding corporate sponsors this year, and more than half of its sponsorship places 
had not been filled even as close to six months prior to the start of the World Cup. We're going to need companies to continue holding FIFA and the government of Qatar accountable for this issue, and not just turning a blind eye to pretend that all is well if the games are played. We all know that football, or soccer, is a huge deal around the world. But does that mean a tournament is worth the lives of 4,000 people? Is it even worth the life of a single person? It's crazy to me that we can allow this to happen and it, it's a choice. It's not something that's forced. So we hope you'll keep your eye out for developments on this issue in the coming years as we get closer to the time of the event. And there's no doubt that human rights groups will continue targeting FIFA and the companies that are complicit in the, in the issues here. Even governments such as the German Chancellor, have warned against partnerships in Qatar, risking complicity in human rights abuses. So don't be fooled by these glamorous and exciting sports events. In reality, people are literally losing their lives for the sake of our entertainment. And half of the world is watching this. Just think of the influence that fans could actually have here if instead of focusing on brackets and following our favorite players, if we took a moment to voice our concern over the abuses that are taking place behind the scenes. I don't mean to be a total downer about the World Cup. And of course, the point of this event is for the world's entertainment. It's sad that such an exciting sports tournament has been tainted by so much suffering. Hopefully, going forward, there will be some real reform in the bidding process for future World Cup locations so that the focus can actually be on the game again. In the meantime... I hope this has given you a more complete picture of the full nature of the World Cup and its issues. And please tune in again next time for more Dirty Business Talk.